Amen. Thank you, worship band, team, team behind the scenes. We are living in anxious times, dear friends. Uh, there is no doubt about it. So many things seem to be up in the air and in the air, uh, right? We all wonder when we're going to get back to some normalcy. Um, when will we be able to gather with uh, our families, extended families? Uh, when is Disneyland going to open? When can we finally get on with living without the fear of catching a disease? This week, I started really missing baseball. Just, when's that going to happen? Having people over for dinner, gathering together, uh, maybe going to a music festival. And be, I'm at the supermarket. I've got my cart. I've got my mask on, and I'm pushing it around, and I get to the place where I'm trying to find something to grill, something to barbecue. And there was another dad there, and his cart's full of stuff, and, and we're both looking and wondering, what are we going to barbecue for our families? And, and then I could see in his eyes, they kind of brighten, and, he, and then he gestures like, it's all mine, you know. And he says, man, I, I really, the man, he says, I really miss seeing people smile and people laugh. Maybe that's adding to our anxiety. I, I don't know. I just know that in my weekly phone calls with many of you, talking to you, the idea of, you know, what's going to happen in the future, the anxiety and the worry that comes from that. That's why I thought it was important for us to hear those words that the Bianchi family read to us this morning. So powerful, so important. Such great reminder. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to, to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's beautiful. I often wondered what inspired the Apostle Paul to write those words what, with such confidence. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Sometimes I read those and I go, what planet are you from? Be anxious for nothing. What's more, the people that he's writing to in Philippi, why would they believe what he's saying? Why would they follow his exhortations, follow his instructions? What credibility does he have there? Well, come to find out, in Acts chapter 16, it, we learn all about the backstory, the early days of the first century church in Philippi, the first Philippi church. On Paul's second missionary journey with Silas, they go all the way to Europe, above Greece, there in Philippi, teaching and sharing the news of Jesus. He encounters in Philippi three individuals whose lives are radically transformed through the message of Jesus and the grace of God. And we learn about them in Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more, and then I'm going to read some more, and then I'll talk some more. The first person we meet is a wealthy Greek woman, a dealer of purple. 
In verse 13 of chapter 16. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. In most cities that the Apostle Paul would go to in his missionary journeys, there was a synagogue. And he would go to the synagogue, and he would be there on the Sabbath, and he would pray with everyone, and then they would have discussion afterwards. And that's when he would share the gospel message about Jesus. The Jewish synagogues Paul was very familiar with having grown up in the Jewish household, trained to be a Pharisee by the best schools and the best teachers. But in Philippi, there's no synagogue. Now, historians believe there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe there were not enough Jews at the time. Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was sometimes said to be a little Rome, and they were kind of hostile to any other religion. But theirs is emperor worship, Greek gods and goddesses. Philippi was also a military outpost for Rome. Hostile to other faiths. Riverside prayer group, they meet on the Sabbath, and there's Lydia, and we're introduced to her. I wonder what she's praying for. Perhaps anxious about the future. What business owner isn't anxious about the future? She's no different, working with her sales force, maybe making sure the shipments of purple cloth arrive on time, hiring new employees, making payroll each month. Working hard. Maybe her prayer is about the meaning of life. Maybe she's reached a point in her career like, you know, what's next? What do I do now? What is the purpose in life? Likewise, it's safe to assume that Lydia was praying to God. She had been heard the Hebrew Scriptures, and maybe she's opening herself up to God. And God, if you're real, if you hear me, if you care, if I matter to you, I need peace in my life. She maybe heard about the promised Messiah. And then come, along comes Paul and tells her about Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. Well, her heart is open to God, and her whole household is now baptized. And then she responds in gratitude and in grace and says, we're starting a church at my house now. But we know more about the beginnings of the church in Philippi and this congregation. As Luke describes how Paul and Silas are now confronted by a fortune teller. Chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Some historians believe that this slave girl, this poor child, has also been made to take a powerful narcotic, a form of bark, that created convulsions and bizarre behavior, adding to her ability to tell the future, some spirit that was deep inside her. Whatever the case, the owners were making a great deal of money. Apparently, it was good. People would come and pay a lot of money. Hey, is this the person I should marry? Or what's going to happen with my business? Or what is going to happen in the future? Should I invest here? Should I buy that land? Should I? All these things, people would pay a lot of money. And not unlike some, but it was a very hideous practice, and not unlike some of the hideous practices that our friends at uh, International Justice Mission encounter as they free young girls who have been trapped in the sex trade and sex trafficking. Exploited human beings. That's what we have here. Addicted and bondage to a person. We learn that Paul is deeply troubled. He sees this entrapped girl. He sees the abu- abuse and he turns and he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at this very moment, the Spirit leaves her. And she's set free, sound mind, calm and heart and mind. Luke does not report what she says afterwards, but it's not hard to imagine that she rejoiced in her heart. No longer entrapped, enslaved, and set free. No longer demonstrating bizarre behavior. No longer addicted. I'm sure she was baptized, just like Lydia. She finds her peace, finds a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, when I baptize a child or adult here, I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then I also add these words. I say, you are loved by God. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you belong to Jesus forever. Those are the words that she heard. You belong no longer to these slave owners. You belong to Jesus forever. Does she rejoice? Absolutely. However, the story continues. We find out that in the deliverance of this young girl, it didn't make everybody happy. Her owners, those who had enslaved her, soon realized that the spirit had left her. She had no longer the ability to tell the future, be a fortune teller. Now the income is dried up, unable to perform her duties as a seer. So they, the owners charged Paul and Silas as um, troublemakers, disturbing the peace, uh, and a bunch of other things. Equally apparent, scholars believe, because of Philippi was, was such a um, hostile to other faiths and, and probably hostile to the Jewish, the anti-Semitic, this is racism at their core, they locked them up in prison by a Roman garrison. That first night, they're 
in there, Paul and Silas, and they're singing hymns, and they're praying, as we read about. They've been shackled and, and put in this prison. And then there's an earthquake. And the prison doors break open, and whatever's holding the, the prisoners all fall off of them. It's an amazing miracle. And the Roman garrison, the guard, having been badly shaken, he wakes up. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Can you imagine having in your job description, <laughs> if the prisoners escape for whatever reason, your fault or whatever, it doesn't matter. You will be killed. Talk about a job that has unreasonable demands on your life. And yet from this passage, we hear some of the most beautiful words ever spoken, I think. Wait, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. The man who entrapped him. You know, sometimes I would think, Paul and the other prisoners, why not just run, get out, you're set free. Wait, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. Did you know there is one command of Jesus that he gives his disciples that does not appear in any other religion, no other faith. Can you guess what it is? Repent. Follow me. Do not fear. Now, remember, do not fear is the number one command in all of Scripture. I'm talking about the one command that does not appear in any other faith that Jesus gives his disciples. Can you guess what it is? Be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Maybe that's it. No. What about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? If you guessed that, that was a pretty good guess, but that's not it. Yes, Jesus did bid us to love others, even strangers and even sinners. But you can find that in all other faiths. What you don't find is love your enemies. Love your enemies. And he doesn't stop there. He says, pray for those who persecute you. Paul knows what's in the job description of this Roman guard. His enemy. Don't harm yourself. Wait, we're all here. This man knows concrete love. This Roman guard knows a concrete love of God expressed through this Apostle Paul. And the walls of fear and prejudice fall away. He runs in, men, what must I do to be saved? This man knows how to rejoice. He knows a peace that transcends all understanding. 
He's lived it. And that's how the church in Philippi starts. Those are the charter members. Lydia, a Greek businesswoman, her life transformed, finds purpose, recognizes prayer, stewards the grace that she has with her own life and shares it with others. A young girl set free from enslavement, she can rejoice, absolutely. A Roman guard filled with such joy, his whole family is baptized, set free, the grace and love of Jesus. I can imagine them all gathering on Sunday morning at Lydia's house for worship, the church. There they are. Maybe, uh, you know, Lydia has some nice food arranged or whatever, and then the Roman guard, maybe worship songs, I don't know. Can you imagine? Perhaps you find yourself in the story somewhere, or maybe somebody you know. Like Lydia, searching for purpose and wholeness. Or someone who needs to be set free from what entraps them. Or someone whose job requires unreasonable demands on their life. And they need to experience the concrete love of God. Friends, we pray like Lydia this week for God to reveal himself Rejoice again, I say rejoice, like the anonymous girl set free from entrapped life. And be reminded of the Roman guard. The peace of Christ transforms, it transcends all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to us this day. And we respond by giving. And I want to thank you for your generosity and continued giving online. You mail in. Your, your gifts, thank you, and our mission initiative and regathering, we're making headway. Dear friends, thank you. I am so grateful for your giving. I do miss you, and I do love you. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for you drawing us closer to you through these words of the Apostle Paul and through the lives of these individuals whose lives were changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we go from this place and go out into the world transformed by your truth and your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.